Blog Talk Radio. Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks, and this is The Big Show. The Big Show, Pop Rocks Radio. You found it amongst the billions and billions of podcasts out there, and I sure am glad you did. I am super duper excited for our show today. We have uh, a fantastic band on that just has, I was just telling them uh, before we started the show, has been playing a lot in my studio whilst I paint Christmas portraits. Um, this is my super busy time of year, and their music has pushed me over the edge um, of, of getting past these turtles, man. It's fantastic music all the way around. I, I, I just really, really dig it. I mean, you know, this is music you either paint some kick-ass paintings to or rob a bank to. It is phenomenal. I, um, I'm a big fan. I'd like to welcome the band, my favorite metal band of the year. And it's the end of the year, so I've heard a few. Um, Fell Harvest, doom metal band. And these boys are from, uh, I believe, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hey. Hey. How is Wyoming this time of year? Cold and windy, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely. Did I lose them, or did I lose me? Uh, no, it is definitely cold and windy. All right, all right. Now I, I pulled on my uh, my headphone cord thing there for a second, I think. But I, I'm okay. I can hear you guys now. Um, very, very cool. Um, what's happened? Okay, there we go. There we go. Man, I'm telling you, there's so many buttons on this thing. Anyhow, yeah, Wyoming is always that way. I rem- I've, I've only been, I believe I went through Cheyenne. I went through Wyoming because I bought a coat there. I was um, many, many years ago, a million years ago, I was traveling from Portland, Oregon to Denver via the Dirty Dog, the old Greyhound, and we went through Wyoming. And, you know, the, the bus will stop. I don't know if they still do, but they used to stop every few hours, so... All of us uh, Cretans could get off and have a smoke and, you know, stomp around or something. And um, it was so cold. We were at some big thing called a pilot gas station thing, and they were selling coats in there amongst a million other things. And I bought one. $62, best $62 I I ever spent. Um, I love (laughs) Wyoming. Anyhow, at least that's not. How is the It's actually much bigger up north. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. How, how is the uh, how is the the like the metal scene and whatnot? Is it pretty big? It doesn't seem to be too bad. We kind of connect with a lot of people in northern Colorado. Nice, nice. Yeah, right. I grew up in uh, right on the border there. Um, a lot you. of good bands in Fort Collins, Colorado, but there's also a couple. Uh, I think the scene is kind of 
up and coming in Cheyenne as well. Uh, we just played a couple nights ago with a band called Dystopioid. They're from uh, Cheyenne, isn't that right, Mike? Yep, they're from here in Cheyenne too. Exactly. So the scene is kind of uh, growing and kind of expanding a little bit north out of uh, Colorado. Nice. I grew up in um, Metro Detroit, and there were they, they were kind of a metal, not really. I mean, there was one big metal club everybody played at. But um, when you went north in Michigan, like you, you got a little, when it got a little colder, it seemed that metal was everywhere. That was everyone's go-to choice of music. There, you know, there were little bars that were, you know, not really clubs, but they were a bar and they threw a stage in there and, and people would perform. And it was a cool scene. And I don't know if it's like the, the realness to it, you know, um, or, you know, the, the hard work that comes from living in, in kind of a uh, rural type rural type area um, or, or whatnot, but Metal music, the, the pureness of metal seemed to resonate, is all I'm saying. And, you know, I've been to Los Angeles. I've been all over the, you know, London, places like that. Never seen any of the fans like I did in, the, uh, in those areas. I imagine, you know, Colorado and Wyoming is the same. Denver Denver's a weird town, man. They, they have all kinds of crazy scenes. Big goth scene there. Definitely. Yes. And I think there's... Metal yeah, is getting there too, though. There's a lot of pretty cool bands out there, uh, or down there in Denver too. And uh, it's actually where Fell Harvest started as well before uh, a couple members moved up to Cheyenne. So, uh, yeah, Denver kind of a lot of weird scenes going on there. No, absolutely, absolutely. I lived in Denver for a minute, and I uh, after about a year, you know, I went to visit a friend for a weekend and wound up staying a year. I will. I tell people this when they ask me about Denver. They're like, "Well, how'd you like it?" At the time, it was pretty cool. It was pretty. It was pretty affordable to live. I think my rent on a studio apartment was like two hundred and fifty dollars a month or something. It was pretty affordable, but um, that was before the weed and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I understand it's not that way anymore. But um, anyhow, I uh, I'm a painter. That's what I do in my day job. I paint pictures of people and shit, and um, when people ask me about Denver, you know, and how I like, I said, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I normally paint about 300 paintings a year. When I lived, the year I lived in Denver, I painted 12. So <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> Doing bad I can see that. Um, yeah. It was a lot of, uh, there ain't nothing like a heartbroken, pissed off Denver girl to change your reality a little bit. Um, anyhow, anyhow, no, they're, I'm sure they're fine and beautiful. Um, we, I know one is, I know one is, we got to give a big shout out to Sharon. Um, she uh, introduced us and uh, I'm so glad she did. So hope you're doing well, Sharon. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, very, very cool. So you guys all met in Denver, you guys like in different bands and stuff like that? Um, so how it went, uh, this is Liam, by the way, um, I had just kind of moved back. I was going to college in Ohio and came back and was looking to join a band and, uh, didn't really know how to get started with it. I hadn't played since high school and, uh, 
jumped on like Craigslist and found a listing for someone who was looking for a doom metal guitarist, but like the the uh, influences that they had listed on their uh, advertisement were like standard stuff, you know, like Black Sabbath and Paradise mm. Lost and all that, but also Death and Metallica and Dissection, a lot of really cool bands. So sent him a message, and it turned out to be Joseph. And we played down in Denver for a few years, and uh, probably after two years of playing, he moved up to Cheyenne, and um, our drummer was still down in Denver, and uh, kind of split from the band there, and uh, after that, we put out another ad, I think, or maybe we answered one of Mike's, I can't remember, and uh, he lived just down the street from Joseph and Cheyenne. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's cool, so man. We played in the Denver scene for a couple of years before we uh, moved north. I gotcha. I gotcha. And then it was a fell harvest. Hey, by the way, exactly. kick-ass name. Kick-ass name. I don't know who's to blame, but you owe them a cup of coffee next time you see them. Even if it's an AI computer-rated uh, thing. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just saying that to piss people off because people on my Facebook feed are very hot about that serious debate topic right now. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I love your logo. As a as a visual artist, man, it kicks ass. So, good job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, that's cool, man. That is cool. You know, people bitch about the internet and stuff. And it's, yes, you know, we all learned the last couple of years that we, we do have some racist relatives that, um, you know, but really deep in our hearts, we probably already knew that anyway. Um, but one of the cool things about the Internet is it really uh, connects people, you know, and you guys were able to connect and form this awesome band over Craigslist. I mean, how cool is that, you know? That's fantastic. Very true. <laughs> super cool, super so that, random, but, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy. I was just talking to a cat from um, – where the hell is he? Madagascar earlier today on, you know, on the phone uh, via the computer and we're on Skype and I'm like, well, oh, this is pretty cool, man. <laughs> I think about it, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for a neural link from Elon Musk, but um, yeah, it's cool to be able to do that for free. <laughs> you know, I can't complain. Um, Good times we live. So that's a, say again. Good times we live in, that's for sure. Oh no, I, it's crazy! It's crazy. Somebody was telling me I was at um, I was at a Christmas party the other day, and we were talking about technology and stuff. And, and somebody pointed out that the smartphone, like the iPhone, was um, you know invented in what they say 2007. I'm like, geez, Louise, that's like you know 15 years ago or something. Look at look! Everybody in the world has one. Crazy, crazy! I imagine where we'll be in another fifteen years. You know, my um, God, we probably will have no ever evolving, you know? <laughs> working nonstop at a factory. Oh God, no! We'll be listening to. Um, no, what'll happen is I'll be probably be at another party, and I'll say, "Yeah, I had the guys from Cell uh, Harvest," and they're like, "Shut up, Jamie! No, you didn't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Whatever." Whatever. Did you see they just bought a new pl- – you know, like how everybody freaks out when Iron Maiden um, has their, their Eddie on the side of their plane? Um, 
the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Your antlers on. Yeah. I'm telling you, they they fit good on the side of a 747. Well, maybe you guys are more G6 type. You know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, anyway. So you guys are um, still now, Mike. You're still down in Denver. No, I'm up in Cheyenne as well. Oh, okay, okay. I, so you I actually still, only live about three blocks from Joseph. Oh, even better. Two uh, thirty in the morning. Yeah. I got an idea for a track. Give me a beat, Mike. <laughs> I'm. I, you right. me up, man. <laughs> no, I've yeah, never I been a, in, a the, musician uh, or in the music scene, but I've known a lot. <laughs> You know, I've known <laughs> you. Usually how that goes. Um, well, very yeah. cool, man. So let me ask you, you guys have such cool tracks and um, such great music. How is the writing process? I, I mean, does it go pretty well? Does it, is there a set way? Is it different for every track? What's the secret? What's the magic? I haven't heard Joseph talk very much here. I don't know. Is he still on the call right now? Because he would be the one to uh, speak to this. Joseph, are you there? Hold on a second. Hey, Joseph, is this you? Yes, this is me. Oh, my gosh. Joseph, I'm so sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought we had a random call. I thought... Uh, I was so turned turned around. <laughs> I've had Joseph, the vocalist and bass player for the band, on a hold. That, man, we're professional around here. Oh, my gosh. Apologies, sir. Apologies. Wow. No problem. The other guys had it covered. Joseph's <laughs> screaming into the phone, calling me every name in the world. Um, so, Joseph. Man, tell me, did they have it covered pretty well about the band formation and everything? Yeah, they hit all. Um, that was basically the the way it worked. I found Liam and uh, Mike both on Craigslist over the space of a couple years, and uh, the past year since Mike's joined, we really dove in head first. Uh, we released the full length Pale Light in the Dying World and. Uh, you know, that came right out of the corona pandemic, so we didn't get a whole lot of live action before that. But we've been making up for it this year. That's awesome. Yes, we have. That is fantastic. Yeah, that, that fucking pandemic, man. It really messed. I'll tell you, I um, I know a lot of people in the electronic music scene. I was friends with a lot of DJs and stuff. And it was so crazy in their scene. Them and stand-up comics that I know. The, uh, the pandemic hit. All these DJs I knew had just gotten, like I can think of like eight off the top of my head, um, that had just gotten these these big residency deals at these big clubs in like Vegas and L.A. and places, San Francisco. And, um, you know, all of a sudden they had a bunch of money for about two months, which meant they spent a bunch of money on cars and new houses and uh, big apartments yeah. and stuff. And then the the work dried up, you know. Oh man, I had stand up friends of mine trying to do like routines, trying out, you know, because they always work their their act um, on on an audience, see what's working and what doesn't. And they're trying to do it over like Facebook live streams and stuff, and uh, just it wasn't it wasn't working real well for them. Now you guys, you know, being in an apocalyptic uh, death metal band or doom metal band. Um, 
you guys were probably like, yeah, pandemic. We knew it was going to happen. We're all ready for it. Yeah. Pile some skulls <laughs> over here, and we're going to Yeah, we've the got the soundtrack here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot j-a-m-i-e-r-o-x-x dot u-s Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.love S-H-A-C-K-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y dot com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. And treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit MakingCancerHistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. 
That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rockscare, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Seriously, I mean, did you guys just do a lot of writing? You, and you just dropped the album before it happened or right after that happened? Well, we released our first EP in March of 2020, so, like, literally right as everything was starting to lock down. And then oh, at that point, we already had about half an album written, and I had four or five more songs, like, kind of in stages. So I didn't have a whole lot else to do. I was still working my day job because I'm in uh, engineering. Um, so I worked from home anyway, but I just, you know, would log off my, my Slack at work and pick up my guitar. And by summertime, I was talking to Liam, and we just decided to move forward and, and try to record something as best we could. Oh, man. What kind of engineering do you do? Uh, I run a uh, uh, site reliability engineering team for a tech company, mostly focused around AWS cloud automation. Oh, wow. That's See, that's fun engineer. My uh, my sister-in-law and her husband, my brother-in-law, and father-in-law, all civil engineers. You can imagine how, um, you know, family dinner night over at the in-laws goes, the type of conversation. Yeah, the easiest way uh, to describe it is I program computers that run other computers. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're wondering about the, uh, you know, you're upset about the computer-generated AI art, um, well, you know, Josie uh, got to talk to. Uh, so uh, feel free to call in and blame him. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing Josie. That's not at all what Josie does. Um, don't bug him about that. It's not his fault. <laughs> Anyhow, that's cool. That's cool. So you guys released it. And it's been playing out, and people are digging it, and, and you know, great response, right? Everybody I've played you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, like so far this year has been pretty good. Um, the the first press, the first batch of physical CDs, uh, almost sold out. I think we got a handful left. Um, I'm going to be doing another batch here, and we're actually going to be releasing it on vinyl, and probably, hopefully, early next year, right around the same time as the uh, new album comes out. Nice, nice. You know, people always ask me, they, they say, whenever you have a cool band on, you know, where should we get their music and whatnot? You know, where should we buy it? And I always tell them the best place is at a show. There's always a merch table. Mm-hmm. There's always a merch table. Um, hey, speaking of, you know, again, everybody who's listened to the show has heard that joke before. I, I get it. I get it. But I do have a uh, something I wanted to ask you guys, um, because I just read about, I, I just saw a post on, uh, I think it was Facebook this morning, um, some band had posted, and they're like, what are your guys' opinions on venues taking a cut of merch? And, uh, you know, it was a long thread of, of, of various ideas. I didn't know that was even a thing that was happening. Have you guys come across that? We've only encountered yeah, that we've one, time it show, one time. Right? Yeah. Oh. And, like, uh, I think uh, when we did the math on it, we owed them a dollar because I think we sold, like, at night, and they just said, "Fuck it, don't don't worry about it." 
Yeah, it's a weird conversation afterwards trying to figure out what 20% of, like, $15 was or something, you know. So um, for us, that was kind of funny, I guess, but it seems like it's becoming more and more of a common practice kind of around the industry as a whole. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. It, it, you know, I um, you know, when I lived in Southern California, the big thing that I found shocking was that uh, venues would say, okay, here's X amount of tickets um, that you, the band, the, the talent have to sell. Um, you know, and if, if you don't sell them, well, you're responsible for whatever you don't sell, uh, which I thought was shitty, but I guess it was just the way it was done in uh, yeah. Los Angeles. The place. Vegas, I found it very interesting because um, a lot of the venues there, Vegas is a weird town because there's it's a 24-hour town, so bands would, you you know, people say, come see my show. And you're like, sure, when are, you know, what night? They're like, well, we're at such and such uh, at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> because it's 24 <laughs> hours, you know, and no, and no one ever charges cover because you can't because you're up against, you know, a million things, you know. So what they would do is they'd run a Z tape on the, uh, on the registers before your band went on, and then they'd run one after your band went off and say, okay, the bar made this much. This is your pay. This is your cut mm. of that. And I thought I don't actually that. That's I think a pretty pretty fair, equitable way to do it. Um you know, if you're if you're not gonna, you know, let uh the band sell their own merch and, and take cuts of of the their their door. The last gig we played basically every band got some tickets and what we sold we kept, which was a pretty nice and i think we made more off that show than we have off any of the other ones this year i think that's true oh, that's phenomenal yeah that's, that's phenomenal true. yeah it you know i mean i get it there, there has to be enough meat on the bone for everybody to be happy the venue has to make money and um and and the talent has to make money you know i mean um i don't know but promoters if they're good i guess and they work should make some money um you know, but that's not just dropping off flyers at a coffee shop. You got to get bodies in the door, baby. Uh, in my opinion, you know. But what do I know? I'm not in that business, you know. Thank God. Sell um, <laughs> paintings. That's easy. Uh, people want it or they don't. But you guys, uh, you know, you, it's weird because you have to be artistic and creative and wear a business hat. You know, that's got to be interesting. Oh yeah. That's- you have, you have to be your own salesman. Right. Yep. Right. I mean, we aren't doing this for money. This isn't our job. We all have day jobs that we're doing okay at. Um, but even in that case, you it, you still don't want your hobby to drain your savings and keep you from retiring either. So <laughs> there's there's a balance, right. and we are trying to get to the point that the bank can at least sustain itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It has to break even or it's not worth doing, in my opinion. At least with projects I get involved in, you know, I, I got a wife. She likes shoes, you know. I mean, it's, uh, you got to make some money. Um, but it's. My dogs are not giving up their daycare, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Our pets, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a family picture of uh, our family. Uh, no one's, uh, you know, we have to use the wide angle on the lens is all I'm saying. Even the pets. Even the pets. 
We got a snake that's kind of chunky. That's all I'm saying. Everybody <laughs> likes to eat. I have two very uh, spoiled dogs. I have a boxer and a boxer mastiff, and the latter is, oh is definitely a big boy. Oh, my God, wife yeah. would be in love. She loves. I've got a big wife, and I don't mean necessarily wide, but she's like six foot one. You know what I mean? So she's kind of a giant, and um, she loves. She loves everything. You know, big. Uh, <laughs> she's been bugging me. She's like, our next dog has got to be. I'm like, babe, it won't fit in our house. You know, we can't have a horse in here. Boxer master. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> so so circle back around. Um, so when you guys get together to write, how is how does the writing process go? Because the results are phenomenal. At the moment I write pretty much everything. Um, both this new album and the last one have a couple contributions from Liam. But generally I either start with a riff idea or I take one of Liam's suggestions and just kind of mess with parts until I build a song around it. And then I bring it to the rest of the guys and see what they think. And from that point, you know, we'll jam on the song and we'll tweak the arrangement or the timing or make whatever changes we need to, to give it the energy we think that deserves to be on a record. Very cool. Yeah. So I am more of kind of just like a riff, contributor on these last couple of albums but usually how it'll go is i live like an hour south of the other guys in the band i live in Greeley, colorado and mm. i'll send joseph a riff idea or show him something at practice and he'll be like yeah that's cool that's cool that's cool and then by the time i get home he's already sent me a song or half of a song that he's based around a 30 second thing that i've showed him so kind of cool when that happens when uh you know you have a small idea and joseph can kind of take that and run with it and turn it into something a little bit more concrete that's awesome that is awesome and then mike of course you know thinks he's uh uh neil pert and uh jumps in with a five minute <laughs> drum solo i'm kidding mike i'm kidding <laughs> I've, I've, I've held back so far <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that 16-minute YouTube video, you know, where you do African <laughs> and maybe down, beats mixed. Yeah, maybe down the road. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> yeah. Coming. Oh, man. Oh, that's a crazy video, and I'm sure I'm going to get emails for referencing it. But, um, no, big uh, – hey, guys, I lived in Canada for a while. I'm a big Rush fan. Rush and hockey, what can I say? I, I, like it. I don't know that much about hockey. My, my family's all into hockey, man, big time crazy anyway anyway uh well it's a great i i really dig i was i went on a youtube deep dive of cell harvest and um because you guys got a lot of the tracks i don't know if the entire album's up there uh i don't know why i didn't go on spotify but i was on youtube um of of your uh your last album i believe is is, is the whole album on youtube like audio tracks of it there's a at one point a little weird and some stuff gets copy struck for no good reason despite the fact that I own the copyright. YouTube music still says I don't in a couple cases. Um I gotcha. So they're they may have been taken down by now. Um when we do the next album it's gonna be through our label DI Records and they've got some very, very good uh distribution methods to make sure stuff stays put and findable. Nice, nice. 
See, and for those listening out there, it's a real good reason to be, you know, with a good label. <laughs> no. For real. You'll, your hair won't go gray as quickly. Uh, very, very cool. I, uh, yeah, they've been quite good so far. Nice. Nice. Well, there you go. You know, there you go. I um, I was reading a, a book uh, that was a collection of interviews that David Bowie had done. Um, this was, I don't know, about a year or so back. And um, it might have been soon. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But anyway, one of, somebody had asked him at some point that he's like, every song you do is amazing, you know? And he's like, yeah, I work with really good people. <laughs> when you work with the best, you usually get good results. And um, there you guys go. You That's know? the truth. I don't think we're anywhere close to the same league as Bowie, but I'll definitely take the consideration. Well, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, uh, you're working with good people, at least. You're working with good people. Uh, very, very cool. Now, you guys, I'm just looking at your website. Oh, and I should mention also, uh, we have links up on our show page, ladies and gentlemen. We have links up. We have the um, uh, main website, fellharvest.com. Facebook, you know, these guys are awesome. Facebook page, Bandcamp, Instagram, Twitter. Um, it's either going to be Fell Harvest or Fell Harvest fans uh, over on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, like and share. I tell everybody, we live in a crazy world right now. Um, so if you like and dig like a band or something like that, like and share their social media and stuff, you know, help get the word out. And also... Also, put them in your playlists, you know, uh, wherever you stream music and whatnot at. We all have playlists. That helps a lot, you know, with the algorithms and whatnot. Very, very cool. Now, we've got a track we're going to play. Now, this is off the new out. This isn't out yet, right? Or is it out? Uh, this will be debuting. Uh, the video comes out next week, and it is on the new album that comes out next year. So, yeah, this will be the first time right. other than live that we have played this song for anyone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sure. You know, when we, um, when Sean first told me about you guys and she sent this track, that's the first thing she did. She goes, Hey Jamie, check this out. And she sent me this track. Over. I'm like, this is fantastic. Um, you know, who are these guys? Where did you find them? And um, I, and honestly, when I heard this, I, I thought you guys might be too big for the show. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, there's no way we're going to get this band on the show, you know? Um, but I'm glad she sent it. She's like, no, you dummy. Check this. You know, I know these guys. I'm like, oh, great. Let's get them on the show. You know, because she doesn't just know us. Yeah, you know, not to change your guys' hat size or anything, but yeah, it's really good. Check this out. It's so good. Here it is.
And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, that was Charlatan's Reek by Fell Harvest. Uh, what a track. Gentlemen, I dig it. I dig it a lot. I dig it a lot. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So I was just, we were just talking off mic, and Joseph was saying, the video drops next week for this track. Wow. How cool is that? Yep, that video will be next awesome. week. Uh, whole album will be early next year. Nice, nice. Well, I can't wait till the album drops because number one, I want to hear more, and number two, we'll have you guys back on and everything. Let me ask you this about uh, making music videos. I always ask my musician friends this. Um, I grew up in the '80s. I'm an old man. I'm a you know I love music videos personally. I don't have to make them though. So I ask my musician friends. I'm like. Music videos, what do you think? Do you love them or hate them? And it's usually split about 50-50. Some people say, ah, they're unnecessary evil. Other people say, yeah, we, we totally dig making them. Where do you guys fall on that spectrum? Honestly, I quite loved it. It was an incredibly exhausting day, but I also grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the MTV generation. The video for Metallica 1 is literally the only reason I play guitar in the first place, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be a musician except for music videos. So pretty much my whole life I've wanted to be in a music video, and I now finally get to do a really cool one. Um, and the guy we worked with, Kyle, and his crew are amazing. Uh, so we had – well, the day was, I think, close to 16 hours for me because um, we did two separate shoots. Uh, it was definitely worth it, and I had an absolutely awesome time. Nice. Nice. Very, very cool. Well, very exhausting, but a lot of fun. Nice. I I love them. Mike, what do you think about making them? Uh, It was it was very exhausting, but it was a blast. I can't wait to do the next one. Um, That was I I was only in half of it. I didn't do I wasn't there for the storyline video shoot, but um, just doing the music part of it. That was a blast. Um, Can't wait to do it again, actually. That's awesome. I will never forget being a kid when, like, MTV was at its highlight, you know. I was hanging out at my friend Steve's house. He had MTV. My family had this ginormous satellite dish, which, you know, picked up everything. But uh, I had three sisters, and so it was hard to, you know, you had to share video time uh, with them with the satellite dish. So I was always down at Steve's house. We were watching. We would build electric guitars out of Legos. While while we waited for a cool metal video to come on, because MTV, it was a lot of crap. Everybody thinks, oh, the 80s were so cool. No, no, they weren't, man. They Like maybe once an hour, maybe every two hours, something cool would come on. But before that, they oh, yeah. played a lot of air supply. <laughs> it was in Chicago and stuff. It was terrible. We didn't want to watch that. The cool stuff. Um, when it, when it came on, it was a special occasion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, it was right, Headbangers Ball. I used to watch that religiously. Oh, every Saturday night. Yeah. You know, the weird thing about Headbangers Ball is it warped me because when I first, I finally got to L.A. I went to college in Boston and all this kind of stuff. And then I'm like, fuck it. I'm moving to California um, because, you know, I want to hang out with rock stars and hot girls and spandex. And, um, the problem was I got to LA in like 1997 and it was the height of like the coffee shop 
acoustic guitar crooner type crowd, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, it was uh, weird. Everyone it was trying to be the next Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what happened to rock and roll, man? I'm waiting for the metal. And they're like, uh, uh, that was 10 years ago, Jamie. You're a decade late. <laughs> but, um, and then in another decade, Steel Panther would come along and it would happen again. But, you know, things go in yeah. cycles. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. That's funny. That's funny. And in the meantime, you guys are just jamming out in the Midwest there, or the, the Rocky area, the Rocky Mountain area. Uh, very, very cool. Um, well, that's awesome. That is awesome. So the new album, which is going to be released next year, is, um, you know, it's in production right now. You guys are working on that. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah. Well, Mike just finished his drum tracks. Um, I have now heard at least some of the drums, and they are phenomenal. He did an incredible job. And I'll be starting the bass tracking uh, this weekend. Hopefully I can lock out most of the bass this weekend. And then uh, after Christmas and New Year's, we will um, bring Liam in and have him track all of the guitar parts. Nice. Nice. Well, that's one of the it's, things uh, I've always liked about metal, you know, is it's, it's that, that percussion driven with those phenomenal guitar riffs. You know, it, it sounds like, Medieval Knights in Battle or something. It's, it's always so cool. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Liam. Did I, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Finish your thought. No, no worries. I uh, just figured it's probably worth mentioning that we're uh, recording in a true studio environment for the first time. We're uh, tracking all of this in the blasting room in Fort Collins, which is a pretty cool spot. And uh, Yeah, Mike is like a connoisseur of great drums and great drum kits, and uh, the rooms over there are so perfect for kind of capturing the sound of his drums. It's uh, pretty exciting. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. The music we're working with, Colton, is absolutely awesome and really loves you know, Blasting Room is mostly known for, uh, like, punk and stuff like that, but Colton has really brought a, a metal edge to it, and he loves doing that type of tone and type of work. So it's great to work with a producer who's just, you know, diving in and helping, you know, work flipping out amps and swapping out, you know, uh, you know, giant plate reverb for one of the drum tracks and things like that. It's it's quite cool to be uh, able to play with all this stuff. That's cool. That is cool. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In Season 1, I interview Phil Toussaint from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. 
Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. I, I have this new respect for, um, well, really, not even a new respect. I, I just a respect for pr- production and producers and whatnot. During the pandemic, I got on this weird kick. My wife was watching, you know, the Tiger King and shit, and I, I just couldn't handle it. And, um, and Love Island, oh my God. Anyway, um, I started watching these these interesting shows on YouTube, these interesting YouTube channels, I guess. And one was called Produce Like a Pro, and, and they, they they really break down um, uh, tracks. You know, they'll, they'll take a, a, a track and, and really break it down into all of its components and whatnot and, and really focus on the production of it. Man, with, with production, you really got to, Kind of know your stuff, you know. I I didn't realize like how involved that was. Oh, yeah. I I actually went to college for production um, with a minor in composition. Um, I didn't graduate, oh, wow. but I did study it for for a little while. I wanted to be a producer, but you know it is it is extremely extremely hard, and I ended up going into tech instead as my career. Um, but it's fun to to work with people who really really know the stuff now. Yeah, it's like yeah, computer first, engineering. First time I've ever. Instead. Go ahead, Liam. It's the first time I've ever recorded something not in, like, a basement. And just to kind of see the amount of work and detail and kind of the fine-tuning of everything was pretty mind-blowing. That's awesome. Liam didn't have to bring his um, his milk crate of uh, old guitar, uh, you know, chords and whatnot with him. Um, Very Because they all have new ones. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to tape it this way. Then it'll work. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Liam, I, I'm joking. I, I'm sure you're not like that. I've just known a lot of guitar players who are. <laughs> Close oh, to the uh, I'm actually. 
What was it now, Mike? Did you say? Uh, no, I'm actually the gear nerd in the band. I'm the one who's always like, yeah, Liam, I made a new life patch in the Axe Effects for you. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Well, you know, that's cool, though. That's how, you know, today a lot of bands just, you know, they, they run it through um, uh, computers and whatnot, and programs and this and that. And, you know, and that's cool and everything, but, you know, there's always good to have a gear nerd, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I put weird pedals together and listen to this, you know, great. Yeah, You'll never I, I love experimenting with equipment and messing with pedals and amps and stuff, but when it comes time to move the things on stage, we use Axe Effects. <laughs> we want one box yeah. that we can plug in and then work, and it will always be the same session to session. So our our whole live rig is just Axe Effects in your monitors and then Mike's kit. Yeah, well, I, I totally, uh, you know, I, I understand. I remember band, friends of mine that were in bands way back in the day um, during the synth pop uh, phase of the 80s. And everybody wanted, you know, everybody wanted to be Duran Duran or, or something. But the problem was you can't do it. All that music was like so oversynthesized in the studio, really hard to replicate that on stage, you know, for what they could afford, you know. Um, really hard to replicate. Yeah. Like, the guitar tone to Solitin has three amps with, if I remember correctly, seven microphones on three different cabinets, and then the solo is the same amp in a different set of, like, all the knobs in different places, plus three different drive pedals. Like, there's no way you can do that on stage, and it's all layered together. And that's just for Liam, not even including me. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know. Now, you know, now you know how Rush did it. You guys got to get to a point where, you know, you can just, well, you you do it with effects and whatnot. So, yeah, totally... Totally respect that. So actually, totally uh, a fun story about gear, gear nerds. Um, I don't know exactly how true this is, but one of my old guitar player or guitar teachers had worked for Metallica on the Black Album tour, and mm. on that tour, supposedly, Kirk Hammett had four guitar techs, and James Hetfield had four amp techs, including my guitar teacher. So that gives wow. you the uh, focus on what they really, really cared about during the tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's tough being a rock star. You know, it's uh, no, you know, and it's it's interesting because I think a, a, like you guys, uh, probably more like you guys because you guys are musicians. You know, you you watch these these concerts and stuff on on MTV and and, and video and whatnot, and you know, you're very impressed with it and everything, and then you see them live, and you're like, hey, that's a little different. And um, and then you get to a point where you're, you know, performing and you're like, well, that's different because it has to be, <laughs> you know, it, it, we can't get a digital no, player, uh, you know, in Cheyenne. Come on. But it can still be good. I think the, the bands mm. that really work are the ones that just accept that live is its own animal and do live not as a unique thing, but just as a separate experience. I and I prefer that to be honest with you. I like, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I told somebody this the other day. I, I was like, I like going to a show to see a show, 
And I don't mean it has to be holograms and lasers and, and you know, aerial gals on a, you know, a hoop hanging from the ceiling. Um, I just like seeing a show. I like seeing, uh, I think it's more d- uh, dynamic. I don't want to go to a show where it looks like a DJ pressed play. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly the same. Uh, that bores me the, the uh, as an audience. Live could have just as easily stayed home and listened on Spotify. So we want to give them something that they couldn't get if they had done that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I respect that. I think that's very cool. You know, you guys are thinking like, you know, on that. Very, very cool. Another thing, like I, once again, folks, we have links up to all of Fell Harvest's um, social media and whatnot. A really cool thing is you guys are on all the social media and everything and interact with your fans and whatnot. Not all bands do that. Um, I think you guys are very smart for doing that. Um, do you guys handle that or do you guys oh, as a record company? Um, it, no, it's, it's mostly us. We did that beforehand. Um, the record company definitely wants us to do it and we're going to be doing some new things hopefully next year. Um, probably doing some stuff with like live playthroughs and maybe Liam wants to start doing some instructional videos and things like that. Um, which is really cool. I wish when I was a kid that I could have like clicked on YouTube and seen, you know, dissection and morbid angel and Metallica, like showing me how to play a song or something like that. That would have been absolutely amazing. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So cool. Because we didn't have any of that when, when we were kids, you know? We, we, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm probably a little older than you guys, but no, you had to get all your information off an album cover, you know, a record sleeve, the liner notes, um, you know, maybe a magazine. All the transcriptions were wrong. <laughs> all of my musician friends growing up, they used to all. Uh, you know, bitch about that. It was so fun. I can't believe, yeah. No, they were right, apparently. (laughs) They were all wrong. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know, Liam, growing up, like I said, I grew up in Metro Detroit. You'll you'll love this, Liam, and and, all you guys will, really. I remember growing up, all of my friends, of course, wanted to be Randy Rhodes. That was, you know, he was guitar god, and that's who they wanted to be. And um, So all of my musician friends, everybody I knew, played uh, guitar, or tried to play guitar, I should say. And I remember I was in 10th grade, and they had a big announcement. They had all formed together into one band. It was more of an orchestra, I think, than a band, and I had to point out to them, I'm like, guys, you can't have 12 guitar players. You got it. Somebody's going to have to learn bass, and somebody's going to have to drum. Um, Try to find a singer, baby, you know. Yeah. Oh um, man. Yeah. Same thing here. Yeah. I all the guitar stuff for the same reason, and uh, I've just been kind of expecting someone to walk up to me at any moment, saying like, "Dude, you probably shouldn't do this anymore. You should, you know, play some lesser instrument or something." And it just hasn't no. happened yet. So I'm uh, keeping up no. with the guitar while I can. But uh, yeah, same reason. Just kind of, I don't know what I'm doing, but Randy Rhodes is cool, so let's go for it. <laughs> and then somebody like Joe walks in with a bass player, and all the girls suddenly run over there. What the hell, Joe? Exactly. Come on. Like, exactly. <laughs> I started on guitar just like most people, and I've had no regrets. I mean, I still play guitar every single day, um, and I write material on guitar and stuff. But my very first band, I was uh, with my like a high, my high school friend, 
Um, and she was phenomenal. Like in ninth grade, she could shred like every single Metallica solo, every single Randy Rhodes solo. Like, she wow. was just amazing. And I was like, all right, fine. You're lead guitar. I'm rhythm guitar and vocals because I already knew how to sing, and, and uh, vocals was, was my first instrument, really. Um, and then we couldn't find a bass player, so she showed me Cliff them all, and like instantly I was like, yeah, that looks more fun. Uh, I'm doing that now. <laughs> I've never regretted it. I, I absolutely, when I'm like actually playing music and actually just like not not having to worry about anything else and playing on stage, I love playing bass. Nice. I'm not mistaken. Nice. Uh, Mike is also a bit of a guitarist himself, and uh, I've just somehow yeah. kind of Mike? been the dude who's managed to uh, keep the guitar on stage. <laughs> yeah, I started on the guitar, but I. Uh, found drums and it was just kind of it clicked and then i started watching you know metallica slayer anthrax megadeth and i was like i want to do that because that big old double bass <laughs> drum set looks cool as hell on stage and i can hide behind it so i went for it and to this day i still use that big massive double bass drum kit and it's kind of my aesthetic now but yeah oh that's awesome that's awesome the crazy thing about all the drummers I knew growing up, and I didn't know that many. There was about three, I think, in all of Metro Detroit at the time. No, there were there were definitely more, but just the ones I knew. They were always in like sixteen bands. You know, it's like, well, this weekend I got to play. You know, tonight I got to play with these guys. And then, is was that the case when you were coming up, Mike? Oh, it still is. There, um, I I don't do that anymore, but. Um, and every musician I know that's in a band, they're all, every one of them, oh, we need a drummer, we need a drummer. And I get asked quite a bit, you, you want to do a side project? I'm like, I'm kind of busy with this and work, so not not at the moment. But, in fact, actually, when I joined these guys, I had, I think I had um, two or three other projects going when I joined up with these guys. When we found you. Yeah. Yeah. It's still that way. <laughs> I, I dropped out of the uh, other ones. The really funny on this thing one, about yeah. finding Mike was Mike uh, wasn't looking for a, a, a original band. He, I found this ad saying, that, like, I'm a drummer and I want to play thrash metal covers. And so I was like, uh, if you can play these bands, you can definitely play for us. So I, I was like, would you do an original act? And I sent him a copy of the album. He's like, yeah, this sounds cool. But, yeah, you were looking for another cover act, weren't you? Right, yeah, because I, I had actually taken a break from drums for a while, and when I came back, I was like, you know, I want to start playing some covers because I'd never done that before. And then I, mm. I kind of started with it, but then I heard these guys, and I was like, you know, I grew up listening to thrash, playing thrash, um, but my bigger influence is Obituary, which he he doesn't play the typical thrash style. And then I heard this, and I was like, wait a minute, this is more along the style of how I play. Um Nice. And it was kind of a perfect fit. Well, there you go. Kismet. It's Kismet. It was meant to be. Um, very, yes. very cool. Now, gentlemen, I was looking at your website, which is phenomenal, by the way, uh, com, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I see you guys. At, now, I don't know if the website has been updated or whatnot, but on the live page, um, have you guys – finished out the year you're just focusing on writing uh the new album right now before you're doing live shows till the first uh, year? yeah we've got nothing about five months um we're done for the year we'll do some stuff in the springtime when they start you know getting ready for the album to come out 
Nice, nice. Well, again, I want to have, I'll talk to Sharon and whatnot, and I definitely want to have you guys back on because I can't wait to hear more tracks. I'm telling you, Charleston's Reek kicks ass. I, I can't, if, if this is indicative of, of the new album, I'm, I, I can't wait, you know. You got a fan in South oh, Florida. Okay. I hope it doesn't disappoint. It's all kind of in, in a similar aesthetic, but it does kind of branch in different directions, too. Oh, nice, nice. Well, gentlemen, I'm, I'm looking, my computer's blinking at me, the little light thing up here. Um, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your day, you know, to, to be on the show, to come on the show. You guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, yeah, man. You're real good at it, you know, seriously. Thank you very much. Yeah, we will definitely yeah, come yeah, back thank on you. we have uh, some more time to show you. Thanks for Absolutely. having us. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Anytime, thank you. guys, anytime. Keep rocking. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, episode, of course, will be converted to a podcast. We're going to push that out on all the social media platforms and on all the podcasting platforms. We're on like 665 of them. That's a lot, man. All I'm saying, if you're thinking about starting, say again? You need one more platform, dude. I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) one more. That's all it takes. I was just going to tell everybody, if you're thinking of starting a business, um, you know, and, and you're thinking, well, maybe a podcasting platform, that's the business I need to start. There's 665 of them. Yeah, maybe you should start that business because, you know, all your riches and dreams just might come true with that magic number. No, that's only the one we're on. Anyway, folks, it's, uh, that podcast will be dropping probably in about a half an hour or so. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. We've got a fantastic actress. There's a really cool show on Amazon Prime called Three Pines right now. And uh, me and my wife have been watching this. We've got one of the lead actors on our uh, our show tomorrow. And uh, Sarah Booth, she, uh, she's just phenomenal. She plays the inspector um, on the series of this little town where all this there's murder afoot, murder afoot. So uh, very, very cool. Tune in for that tomorrow. We will see you then. Have a good one, everybody. Get over there and check out Fell Harvest. Like and share. Talk to you then. Thanks. Bye, everybody. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tama Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks at Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, the Harry Hicks from Sverige. Ocknil is not till Pop Rocks Radio made Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.